When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it really was possible for Ron Hextall to get something done at the NHL trade deadline. And you know what? He really did. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I'd ask that you check out my Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates as well. It's Penguins versus Blue Jackets tonight at PPG Paints Arena. And according to Hextall, he hopes to have Ricky Raquel in the lineup. And won't that be neat on a bunch of levels? Raquel, of course, was acquired yesterday from Anaheim for Zach Aston Reese, Dominic Simone, second round pick in the coming draft and goalie prospect Kali Klang. And that, my friends, is a really, really good trade under the circumstances that I outlined in yesterday's episode as being challenging but not impossible, as I was beginning to think that the Penguins were suggesting. It almost sounded like they were making excuses in advance, when in fact, now... As they've proven, they were just laying out how tough it was going to be. And Hextall reiterated that yesterday after the deadline in elaborating a bit on what made it tough. Typically, um, when you go into a deadline, you feel like you really have to make a deal or you don't necessarily have to make a deal. And quite frankly, I didn't feel like we had to make a deal. And no, neither did anybody on our, on our staff up there. Um, but if we can improve the team, we certainly owe it to our players and, and the organization. Um, everything's got to fit together. And quite frankly, with our cap situation, it's not easy to fit things together. If we could have kept you know, two players that we, we moved, we, we would have loved to. But um, in a cap world, uh, things have to change. And so we felt like um, our secondary scoring has been a little bit of an issue. It's came to life a little bit lately. But I think whenever you can add to it, uh, we think Ricard adds a lot to our group in terms of the, the skill part of the game and really makes us certainly in our top nine and our top 12 makes us a lot a lot deeper. It gives Sully some, some good options on, uh, on the wings and also uh, in the middle. So we're excited about the, the acquisition and, and uh, hopefully he'll be here to play uh, tomorrow night. 
Well, good for him. Good for Brian Burke. Good for all of their individual evaluators and everyone who came together on this. It's a very similar process from what I understand to how they acquired Jeff Carter. A lot of focus was placed on one player, one target. And from there, a lot of work was done to make sure that he was the right fit, a term that Hextall must have used a dozen times yesterday, and that they could somehow still come up with the best offer, the one that would get the Ducks to agree, even though they were more up against the cap than the other teams, specifically the Bruins and the Rangers, who were also in on Raquel. That's just, generally speaking, really, really good general managing. And it's a feather in Hextall's cap before Raquel even takes a shift in black and gold. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. Heck, I didn't even mention that the Penguins got the Ducks to pick up 35% of Raquel's remaining salary, and he's making $3.8 million this year, so that they could squeeze him under their cap because Aston Reese and Simone put together don't make what Raquel is. As I look at this trade, it's hard to even share opinions with you without coming across as insulting because I see this as such an obviously good deal from the Pittsburgh standpoint. Also, as pretty much a no-lose deal from the Pittsburgh standpoint. Yeah, Raquel could come here and be a complete bust. He could forget how to score for the first time in his life. He could not be the guy who's already got 16 goals this year. He could not be the guy who actually had more goals than anyone in Anaheim over the past eight years in total. And, oh, by the way, he could hit unrestricted free agency this coming summer and leave for another team, at which point the Penguins will have given up, you know, some capital along the way. A second-round pick isn't nothing. Kali Klang might not be nothing. But, man, otherwise, I don't think it requires much of a leap to picture Raquel being on a line with Evgeny Malkin, who finally have a right winger that he wouldn't have to borrow from Sidney Crosby. And let's say for now, Danton Heinen, maybe it's Jason Zucker once he's healthy, but you'd have yourself a second line. You'd have yourself top six wingers flanking Gino really for the first time this year. So you'd have a top six as opposed to a top three or top four, which will help a lot of things about this team's balance. You also, in turn, then can start moving other wingers, better wingers, down the depth chart a little bit, 
to work alongside Jeff Carter, Teddy Bluger. You get Brian Rust, of course, back up there with Sid where you want him. And a lot of things just make a lot more sense. Now, you do lose with Aston Reese and Simone, uh, especially Aston Reese, a couple of penalty killers, guys who contributed to the league's number two unit. And you can do that with one guy, maybe two, and not feel it. But without Aston Reese and with Brock McGinn still on IR, there's going to be some challenges with that group. And that's something I'm expecting to have come up uh, both today and tonight with Mike Sullivan. But add all of this up, including leaving Boston and New York, or teams that you could be seeing in the playoffs, uh, out of the Raquel mix. This is a just a great big W across the board. And if you haven't paid much attention to Raquel in the decade that he's put in uh, in Anaheim, this is a good hockey player, and he's been a consistent hockey player. Uh, he's never run up the massive numbers, but he's fast, he's shifty, he finds holes, he finds vacancies the way the better goal scorers do. He also can create his own space, which is kind of a shortcoming with the Penguins' current group of wingers. He's not the world's greatest defensive forward, but uh, playing under Sullivan, you're going to find out real quick at least how to handle the basics in the Pittsburgh system. It's a good trade. I'm not going to go overboard. I'm not going to suggest he's going to be the second coming of whatever it was that happened to Jeff Carter when he showed up here last spring. But he's a good, good addition. Ideally, he'll also be that coveted good fit. When we come back, just one question. And today's J1Q comes from Kenny, who asks, So, what do the lines look like now? And again, when Jason Zucker is healthy. Hmm. Line questions. I always have to cheat a little bit and look at however it was that the Penguins last utilized their lines. And that, of course, given that they practiced yesterday, would have been what they sent out on the ice in Cranberry. Let's take these and then try to modify them. All right. Yesterday's line in practice had Sid. Jake and Evan Rodriguez. Now, that's not going to be the case. Uh, you're going to see Rust move back up with that group. So the second line was Heinen, Malkin, and Rust. Now, Heinen and Malkin are going to stay together, as I mentioned, uh, at least until Zucker is back. I have no doubt, based on things I've heard from Sullivan that he really likes Zucker and Malkin together. So let's presume that this is temporary for the purposes of answering that portion of your question. So it's Heinen, Malkin, and Raquel. Duh, right? Okay. The third line 
yesterday in practice was Simone, Carter, and Kapanen. Well, Dom's not going to be around for everybody to kick anymore. So let's say that Heinen or Zucker would be the player that's there alongside Carter and Kapanen or Rodriguez. Hmm, don't know there. Uh, for what it's worth, the closest Kapanen has come to clicking with anyone this season has been with Carter. Now, there are people inside the team that will tell you that Carter's the easiest center of all with whom to click because his style is so straightforward. It's so rod hockey. If you follow what I'm saying, you know where he's going to be. You don't have to wonder what he's going to do when he gets it. And as a result, he's a lot more predictable. That makes it easier to adjust. And maybe because of his own straight line approach, Kapanen could learn some of that as well. However, I'll repeat that there's also Rodriguez floating around now that we've obviously kicked him off the top line. So who's left? Brian Boyle, Teddy Bluger, and the right winger on that line yesterday was Aston Reese. Obviously gone now. So do you go with Boyle, Bluger, and Kapanen? No. That wouldn't make any sense. Because what you want to do, obviously, with Boyle and Bluger is have them be a line that you can depend on to handle the tougher assignments. The things that Sullivan will assign Sid to do whenever he didn't have Teddy. Remember that? It didn't go very well. So let's instead put Rodriguez on that fourth line because then you can have, you know, kind of a buzzsaw effect from that group. Uh, the speed that Rodriguez brings could offset the speed that Boyle doesn't bring. You also put yourself in the critically important position of making sure that you've got enough penalty killing forwards and regular listeners know that uh, story that I've shared uh, several times now where Sullivan described to me how he makes up his lineup for that night. It starts with the penalty killers. So you need to make sure that you have X number of those guys available. Now, what happens to Radim Zahorna, Drew O'Connor, Valtteri Pustinen, and anyone else that you might be considering uh, from Wilkes-Barre? Well, it's pretty clear what happens to them. I'm not sure that there's going to be space for them. Obviously, injuries are always a factor, and that goes double in the playoffs, but I don't think you're going to see too many surprises otherwise. I really think the way I laid out these lines is the way it's going to shake out. But you know what? The first indication of that comes tonight at 7.08. Looking forward to it. We'll talk about it tomorrow on Daily Shot. Thanks so much for listening.